All right, welcome, inappropriate Earl fans, haters, detractors. This is a uh, a first in the inappropriate Earl land. We've got the great Jungle Jim Florentine here. That'd be a good wrestle name if I was going to be a wrestler, Jungle Jim. I used to be jamming Jim when I was a DJ before I did comedy. You had to have a DJ name. Uh, two deep baritones here. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was uh, jamming Jim. But Jungle Jim would probably be a better wrestling name. Uh, I think my wrestling name would be Dick Hammer. <laughs> I like it. Uh, <laughs> that could be a porn name, too. But uh, Jim Florentine out here in L.A., a rare visit. I haven't been out here since before the pandemic. I wanted shit to clear up a little bit. You know, because in New York, it's a little more stricter. No, no. New York's a shithole, too. I live in Jersey, so I try to, you know, I know what spots to take in New York and I carry my mace. Do you really? Oh, yeah. Little thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. The streets you're walking around because uh, in West Hollywood, it's it's uh, it's like an episode of The Wire at night. I mean, it, it's pretty bad out here. Really? Like where you parked originally, yeah. uh, there's a drug house right across the uh Right across from where you were parked. Oh, cool. I'll stop in on the way out. Yeah, you could uh, pick up some uh, powdered refreshments for uh, some of our New York comedy comrades. Uh, you think this neighborhood would be safe? Sheriff Station's right. We could throw a hockey puck to it, right? Um, but it's you know after the pandemic, I think the uh, thieves, the Bloods and Crips, I've been told, have called a truce because mm -hmm. they know the money is. Cause there's a lot of money in this area. Bars, yeah. nightclubs. Um, but we didn't have you on to do a crime report, Jim. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have a new comedy album out, uh -huh. right? Uh, tell us about that. I feel like Phil Donahue. Um, it's called Terrorizing Telemarketers, Volume 7. I just fuck with telemarketers. I turn the tables on them, and I've been doing it for 20 years. I didn't think at this age I'd still be doing prank calls, but I've never grown up. I'm childish and immature, and, you know, it's still funny to me. So, you know, we just, yeah, this is a seventh in a, uh, a CDs, yeah, seven different albums of this shit. So it just came out. It was number one on the iTunes charts for like a week straight. And uh, yeah, it's doing good. And I got a comedy special called Bite the Bullet. It's on Amazon Prime. You can rent or buy it. Well, that's interesting. Uh, you say Amazon Prime, because I know right now the big place is YouTube for comics to just put up a special and you charge what you charge for it. I think uh, Luis Gomez did that. Um, and other comics have done it to varying... Uh, successful degrees what made you pick amazon well i i did i did put it on youtube for free for two months and then i took it down and how did that work out in terms of did you do that because you thought oh people see it and then buy it on amazon no i people you know just i wanted more eyes on it more people to see it so i put it for free let promote it for free it's at there and people give donations because they like that you put it out there you know and shit like that and then i just took it down i'm like all right i'll just put it, all my other specials are amazon prime so I'll put it back there. It doesn't need to be on YouTube forever. And how many specials do you have on Amazon? Mm, four. And how do you come up? I mean, that's a lot of specials. That's a lot of material. What's uh, your writing process? Because you can't use any old material. No. Like, uh, how do you go about writing an hour's worth of new material? Well, it depends. Like, if some shit goes on in your life. You know, I went through a divorce, so I did a whole special about my divorce called I Got the House. <laughs> That was the running jack because I was telling how what then went down, how fucking crazy the story was, and people, the crowd would feel bad. Oh, and I'm like, I got the house. It was like my, you know, I got no respect, Rodney Dangerfield. So I did a special on that, and then I had a girlfriend uh, die 
So I did a whole one man show about that called I'm your savior. So I did a one, it was like a one man show special thing. So if I got some shit going on in my life, I talk about it, make it into a special and then I move on right now. I got nothing going on. So I'm doing dick jokes. Like I started now in regards to the divorce special, you still talk to that person. Yeah. I mean, I have a kid with her, so, so it's amicable. Yeah. 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 How does she feel about you basically mining your guys? Um, I don't want to say failure of a marriage, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I never asked her. Oh, okay. So she, she never, never was me. like, what the fuck, dude? No, nah, I mean, yeah, no. Oh, wow. That's a good woman. She uh, knows that. No, well, you know, I mean, I'm an open book, man. If some shit goes on, I talk about it. So, you know, no, I don't know. She didn't have a problem with it, I guess. I don't know. She didn't tell me. So, well, that's what I liked about you when we were talking about wrestling and, and I made a joke about uh, Pat Patterson. And I, I think you had a situation in your past where you were uh, inappropriately, um, you know touched i guess you just said it i'm like then i felt bad and then uh you just talked about it so openly i was like oh uh yeah no i got molested for wrestling pictures and that's actually in my one-man show because i lead up to my ex-girlfriend dying and all this stuff but I, I put that in there and i showed her pictures i did in a slideshow i still have the. there was a guy that would sell wrestling pictures out front of madison square garden he was a photographer he'd be in the front row so every time i go to matches there i'd find him outside he'd sell them for a dollar and then the next thing you know, he's like, hey, give me a kiss on the cheek and I'll give you the superstar Billy Graham. And he was my favorite wrestler. I'm like, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's worth it. I mean, I was he had the belt. But I mean, that's uh, I mean, we <laughs> joke about it, but that's just no, goes... we should joke about it. why. Why shouldn't you? You you look at the picture I got. Nobody else has it. Oh, superstar Billy Graham. I would probably get molested for like a nice eight by ten of the ultimate warrior. Yeah, I mean, if he, yeah, he didn't have eight by tens, but, but I, I remember one time he's like, listen, you know. You sit on my lap. I'm in the front row. Sit on my lap. And you can sit in the front row. And I got this picture of Ivan Koloff had the belt. And I think he only had it for like a couple of weeks. He goes, this is really rare. And I'm like, all right, that is a rare one. And I looked it up like two years ago. It's worth nine cents. He lied. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned <laughs> Ivan Koloff. I literally have become online buddies with Nikita Koloff. Oh, okay. Nice. Because he, uh, I just found out he wasn't from Russia. I, I really thought he was from Russia. He, because he never really dropped the gimmick right um and he is turned to god which is you know okay uh it's funny that a lot of wrestlers turn to god you know sting is a big uh, christian uh guy which is why i was told he didn't want to do the rick flair roast because he didn't want to hear those type of jokes we were all telling yeah yeah uh and especially shuley shuley uh he went he went hard on that Did roast. He? well everyone was worried about me right and then uh, Shirley took it to another level. Nice. Uh, are you I guys friends Shirley. from that? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know Shirley well, yeah. Oh, he's he was awesome. Uh, and then uh, Ted DiBiase. Uh, why, why do you think uh, people... Because that's a wacky world, pro wrestling. I mean, you have uh, all kind of sycophants who like what the guy did to you. And then you've got some of the wrestlers who are known to uh, do stuff with ring boys. Uh, wh why do you think they turn to God after that? Um, I don't know. You know, I mean, maybe because, you know, once your wrestling career is over, it's over, man. You go from making, you know, I don't know, $300,000 a year or whatever. And then you're making, you know, you want to do independence. You're getting $50 a night so that you can, you, you know, so you're fucked. And then it's like, you, you got all these injuries, you got no health insurance, you got no pension. And maybe they're like, they're desperate. They go, you know, I need to find God to fucking get, you know, I got to live the rest of my life. Yeah, I mean, I when I go to this thing out here called XPW, which is um, it's like the West Coast version of ECW, but yeah. twice as violent. 
and they'll bring in for uh, a big show one like legend i guess and man you feel so bad for them. yeah it's really like the wrestler uh yeah and even with flair it was like the roast was fun but the last match was like oh boy I, I feel guilty watching this yeah um so uh you know it's that's sad it i often liken wrestling to comics like it's the same lifestyle traveling and and uh minus the working out i guess for most comics minus the working out but then also you know you're not left with these injuries after your career's over and addict the pain pills and shit like that you know yeah but like your day today is a, i think a wild day you've got two podcasts you're getting on a plane tonight you got a show tomorrow on the other end of the country like that's uh yeah but my knees don't hurt right i don't have to take a fucking percocet you know to get on a plane so no i i absolutely yeah we're a little more protected but yeah it, look it, either way it's a lonely lifestyle you know you're out there by yourself you're stuck at a fucking holiday inn in the middle of nowhere with no rent a car and you just gotta eat the subway sandwich shop that's in walking distance and you wait just wait for the show that night like the wrestlers they just you know get in town and wait for that show do you get lonely on the road i've learned to deal with it you know i got a kid at home so when i'm missing like his sports shit you know and i'm not at his games and stuff I, that's when it fucks with me and how old is your kid 12 so he's old enough to realize you have to go to work yeah he knows yeah play. yeah yeah, but I like going, you know, just fucking cheering them on and shit. My dad did that when I was younger, too. So, you know, uh, but, you know, that's part of what am I going to do? I got to go to work. Yeah, you got to pay the bills. Yeah, but it sucks, though. So it's like, you know. Well, kid is expensive. Uh, so. Well, that, too. But, I, yeah, I just like watching them, you know, watching them, you know, compete and fucking hanging out with friends and busting balls and all that stuff. Does he like the same kind of music we like? Yeah. Because that's where I first met you. Uh was uh the at metal show uh, i think i went to a taping with yeah. Dean Ray, and uh, i th i want to say jakey e. lee was the guest uh, probably and i'm a big fan of his uh i just watched the randy rhodes documentary Have yeah you seen i saw that it yet? yeah yeah that was uh fascinating you forget how young he was when he passed 25 yeah um and what he could have accomplished I saw Randy Rhodes with Ozzy five times. Really? Yep. I got a picture. I'll show you a picture on my phone afterwards at a, a record store meeting of the whole band. And Randy's going like this in the, in the picture. Like this. I mean, that's a rare. You talk about a rare picture. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that one. I mean, someone would have to blow me for that one. That's double anal right there. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was. Uh, you know, I didn't realize how prominent Quiet Riot was. But, you know, they get a lot of shit for basically being a one hit one album band yeah uh, each album after that went you know lower and lower and lower and uh but i didn't you know before their success they were uh probably van halen's competition in in los angeles uh which i didn't realize how i had no idea that i didn't know that randy and eddie had a rivalry going on they didn't like each other i had no idea you know i wasn't i was i grew up on the east coast so i had i didn't know this whole scene out here I mean, the Starwood, which is really, I walk by there every day with my dog. Uh, it's a Russian deli now, and it just, but you can feel the ghost of that building. And, you know, because it was owned by a guy by the name of Eddie Nash, who, right. uh, if you've ever seen Boogie Nights, he was, like, yep. Alfred Molina was basically playing Eddie Nash, but he was instrumental in the 80s metal or late 70s metal world, you know, Motley Crue, and yeah, I think Rad had played there. And, uh, you know, so uh, any chance that metal show will ever come back? Probably not. 
Is it because, because I still listen to Eddie's show on uh, Sirius. Um, I would think, what, why? You tell me why. Because we don't own it. You know, could, when the Sopranos did this last season, you think people going up to Galdafini and saying, hey, man, should bring the Sopranos <laughs> back. Try Showtime. What about Netflix? When you're the talent, you don't own anything. You, you have no choice. Look at how Chappelle's show got on uh, Netflix. He didn't own it. They fucking threw it up there. He cried. They took it down. But, you know, you're just a fucking player on the show. Friends can't go, hey, let's try Let's go to fucking CBS. Right. We're friends. It doesn't work that way. But, you know, if some other streaming service wanted to buy, plus VH1 owns the rights, so they have to go buy the rights to it, you know, to get the rights to it, to put it on some other. So any place that wants to do it, we'll have to go, all right, we got to negotiate with them. Who knows what the fuck they're going to charge. Who knows? Maybe they give it to them for free. I don't know. But right now, you know, there's no really no interest in it. I mean, who knows? So I was on Crank Anchors from 2002 to 2007 on Comedy Central. It went away. And 2018, it came back after 11 years. So shit does come back. So you never know. But right now, there's, uh, there's no interest. I mean, I would think because it's... Do you think it's just because it's the genre of, of the music? Like, you, maybe you couldn't do... Maybe you can call it at metal show that metal show you you just think the interest isn't there for like an 80s metal uh, revival type you need a, show you need a you know a network that would believe in it you can't like people go what about netflix okay what about netflix okay so our lead guess is you know the singer of sleazebees <laughs> you know and then meanwhile you know there's a beyonce documentary on there there's a fucking drake thing like what's going to draw more eyes so you got to look at it that way and our our little fucking you know uh small fans of that of, of 80s metal yeah well like the, the whole world should notice but they don't there's a little community that knows that stuff so as far as you know worldwide nobody gives a shit well you're right i mean I, i'm not trying to impress you by this but uh a couple months ago i was at the whiskey eddie was actually there uh they were doing a documentary on shark island which i'm a big shark island guy okay right yeah wow that's fucking deep yeah i mean because I just wanted to see if Axel really stole Richard Black's moves. Cause right. I, and I, I'm I'm going to be honest with you. I think he did. Like, really? Because Richard... Was did, that the rumor? I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, they say the rumor, and this is why I haven't made it in stand-up. I can give you a breakdown of Shark Island's early years. Uh, they say, uh, and it's like a uh, one of those uh, stories that's like, no one can confirm or deny it that uh, people would walk in and Axel would be looking at Shark Island tapes, trying to copy his moves. And, uh, you know, when I saw them a couple months ago, you know, he does do the snake thing. You know, uh, right. Um, no, it's possible. Look, I mean, David Lee Roth from, uh, was it Jim Dandy? What was yeah. It yeah. Those, those moves, that got, was that from Black Oak, Arkansas? Was that yeah, the same? Yeah, yeah. Same, look like them, did the same thing. So it's whatever. They all, Mick Jagger took it from friggin', uh, what's his face? Uh, James Brown. He saw James Brown moving. If you look at the old Stone stuff, he wasn't even moving. And then he saw James Brown going fucking crazy. He's like, I got to start moving. Um, do you do any of like the Kiss cruises or like the rock? Uh... Monster the Rock Cruise, I do. I do stand up on and I introduce bands. I don't, I'm not, I was never a Kiss fan, so. I missed a boat on that. No, you probably, uh, you know, I'm an 80s Kiss guy, which isn't even. Right. The 80s stuff, I, I, you know, when they took the makeup off and they were playing on MTV and stuff, I like some of that stuff. But um, I just was never got into them as a kid and it's tough to get into them now. So, so it's tough. But if you got into them as a kid, it makes sense. But 
you know, I just, uh, but I, I give them credit. They're still out there. That's great. They got a ton of fans. You know, it's good for hard rock, but I just never, I was more like a Sabbath, ACDC, Ted Nugent, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, Motorhead fan. Yeah. I mean, uh, I jaded the, the manager from Motorhead. So I became. Who, Todd? Uh, no. Yes, I dated Todd Singh. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, there was uh, Shelly. Uh, she, we'll call her Shelly B. I don't think Okay, she, I don't know if I know. Yeah, I probably she, met her. Oh, 100 times. Dude, uh, I just ordered the Motorhead uh, Iron Fist box set. It's coming fucking tomorrow. I can't wait. I just ordered that and the two T-shirts you get with Oh, yeah, it. you got the hoodie. You got the, yeah, I got the, I'm getting the hoodie. And I uh, threw in some extra for the uh, Raglan and the, the, um, the Lemmy cut. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Iron Fist, I love that record. Uh, I mean, I had to take Lemmy to my dentist many a time. So really, because uh, he lived around here. He right? lives right down the street, and yeah. Todd lives. You know, I, I think Todd's in like Downey or oh, he's. You know, when I wasn't ready, uh, he's like, "Let me let me get you an audition for Montreal." I'm like, "Oh, dude, I'm I'm probably not ready," because I was like maybe two years into comedy, right. and he just calls up the head of the festival, and I'm embarrassed to tell someone like you this. I, I sent him a tape of me bombing at a coffee shop with like espresso machines going off. I haven't been back since. Yeah, I know. Once they see you and then I like you, you're done. Yeah, I mean, luckily, uh, I got to do the festival through Roast Battle, which is, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's its own animal. Uh, so, have you, you've done JFL many times, I'm no. assuming? Once. They never liked me. I auditioned for them and I bombed. So, I think that, that didn't help. But that's crazy to me that, like, why wouldn't they like you? Like, I mean, you're an amazing comic. Like, like, you know, Russell Peters once told me they don't even know what they want or own. No. So uh, nowadays, I find it to be just a, a casting. Festival. Yeah, you. It, it, one agent has to can, can submit one of their guys or whatever. I'll take one of the guys. I when I auditioned at the Boston Comedy Club back in the day, I bombed. So I don't. I don't. That they shouldn't have picked me. And then I did like the best at a festival or something. I was up there, and I wound up getting like a couple late night. Uh, things from it and shit some some juice from it so uh but and i was gonna do the nasty show a few years ago but something happened but i don't give a fuck i'm not an ass kisser i live in the fucking suburbs of jersey i don't give a fuck i go up and tell jokes i go home i hang out with my friends that i know since first grade see that's how it should be yeah like not but you know and i'm sure it's I don't know if it's different in LA versus New York, but like out here, you have to be such a suck up. I can't, I've uh, never done, I can't, I'm not that type of person. I, I don't care. I've never been that. I never, I'm like, whatever. I'm a fucking, you know, metalheads. We're loners. We don't fucking, we don't want to need to fit in. You're right. You know, and that's why I don't want to be sitting at the cool table to me that they're fucked. That's that stinks. What's going on over there. Metalheads stick by themselves. They're loners and they don't, they don't want to fit in. I mean, it, it's, it's such a game. It's like, why can't it just be if you're funny or not? No, no, it's not. I know. And I just don't have it in me. I could, I could maybe fake it for a little while, but I'm like, I, I can't. I've been to hung out with celebrities. I've been to those parties. They're not that much fun. The guys I hang out with since first grade are way more fun. Yeah, like the to go to an Iron Maiden show and, and just take in all the, the magical. It's fucking beautiful, yeah. Um, do you hang out with comics uh, at all? Yeah, I mean, I got some. For, yeah, I mean, like Joey. Joey. Joey's my neighbor, Diaz now, you know, which is great. It's the best. But, you know, I, I, I had a small crew back in New York, you know, Jim Norton, Rich Voss, Bobby Kelly, Don Jameson, you know, guys like that. So it's a small little crew. And I, I get along with everybody. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I've never heard a bad word about you. Talk to my ex-wife. 
well, give me your number and I'll, hey, let's get you Talk on the to podcast. Talk to molested me. He's in Thailand right now on a sex offender's website. He's still alive. Is he really? Yeah, yeah, I found him. Do yeah. you ever, um, it's hard for me to ask serious questions, but I'll, I'll give it a try. Do you ever, do you like reaching out to him and going, hey, what the fuck, man? No, well, if I reach out to him, he got any more pictures? <laughs> you know hey, I mean? my if friend you, Earl. If you, if you got Ernie Ladd on the top rope. Yeah, he was a great wrestler. Oh, absolutely. I'll nibble on your ear again. You know, I might touch his doing if he got a good Kamala picture. He had like he had some fucking uh, bitch tits, though, Ernie Ladd. If you look at him, he had like his he had like A's and they were sagging. I mean, some of those wrestlers back in the day, not so much. They're now. hardly any of them were taking steroids, too. So, I mean, uh, are you are we talking like the seventies? Seventies, Ernie Ladd. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was pretty older dude at that time uh who was it bad news brown had kind of a weird body like i don't he, remember him he was a black dude he was always playing uh the militant black character um he was a real life uh karate champion 76 okay. olympics uh he had an ernie lad vibe but he was a legit badass okay like, i no thought one, you were talking uh, about sd jones oh sd jones special yeah. delivery what jones. was his brother's name he had a brother who oh, was like a right. jobber um, well, oh, look that up. SD would lose all the matches too, but you know it was a better match. No, and he had like those bullet holes in his back, those two little friggin' holes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, he must have got shot. I never, they never discussed what it was. Well, how do you think? Uh, I've often uh, wondered how they got away with how they portrayed African Americans in the '70s and '80s in wrestling. Like the Junkyard Dog, he was you know led to the ring in a dog collar. Uh, Abdullah the Butcher. Uh, you know, a, a madman incapable of speech, Kamala. Right. Uh, yeah, but then you had George Animal Steel who wouldn't talk and all that other stuff. So, I mean, I don't know if it was necessarily because they were black. Well, it just seemed like the black wrestlers got the worst characters. Uh, like, yeah, you're right. George the Animal Steel was a bit of a, a nut job. Uh, and But it just, you look back at some of those characters now and go, oh, boy, that's. Like when they brought in Akeem, do you remember? Yeah, that? but then, but then, you know, uh, the Rock's father, Rocky Johnson, he was fine, you know. So they didn't, yeah. You had this wild Samoans, but they were, you know, yeah, okay. They play it off. They're from some from fucking some island, you know. So the weirdos, they probably lived in Jersey next to me. <laughs> I, I I never knew Kamala was like from Mississippi. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. Uh, and Nikita Koloff. Was I don't. Some... I don't think Baron Miguel Cicluna is from the Isle of Malta either. <laughs> But I, you know, I watched some of those, like I was watching a promo right before you got here with uh, Tony Atlas and Ric Flair. Right. And Ric Flair calls him boy. <laughs> it's like, this really, yeah, not, yeah. Uh, hold up. Well, what got you into wrestling? Though? Like for me, it was just like watching superheroes battle. And this is before I knew it was fake. Yeah. Like, I thought it was real. So did I, when I was 14, I found out. How did you find out it wasn't real? I went to a local match in my high school, Ken Patera versus Ivan Putski was the headline match and I always liked the bad guys. So anyway, me so I went around back it was my high school and I, I knew where they were gonna come out. So me and my dad went back there, so I want to get an autograph, maybe a picture, and I saw Putsky and Patera come out at the same time and get in a car and drive away. And I go to my dad, I go, why would they do that? They they hate each other. Why would they get in the same car? He had a break at me on the way home that it was fake. I started crying. Oh I cried when I when I met Kamala actually at the uh the Olympic Auditorium, which was the legendary, uh, right? Um, How old when you cried? 
was 38. Uh, yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> no. I mean, that's still young. I get it. <laughs> I was, I'd kill to be 38. Uh, <laughs> I was about 12 or 13, and my dad took me to a WWF event. Yeah. And he took me backstage because he knew the ref. I'll never forget his name, the Count Billy Varga, who was like a, a legendary 50s wrestler. And uh, they just walked off and let me backstage with a, you know, Pat Patterson's running around. Hey, like, I'm sure he liked you. Oh, boy. Uh, and I yeah. see. <laughs> Kamala and I was just I can remember it like it was yesterday like he just motioned for me to come over and he's like hey I'm Jim I'm like no you're not like, like what are you doing speaking English it was just the naivete of, yeah, a, of yeah, being yeah. like an idiot and he introduced me to kimchi and it was the Brooklyn brawler you know Steve Lombardi I'm like right. oh this, wait a minute where are you from he's like I'm from the south <laughs> oh wait what <laughs> uh and it, it was never the same for me yeah. I mean, I still watch it today. Do you still watch it? I, I didn't watch for a long time. I, I checked out after Piper's Pit. I love Piper's Pit. Oh, and I was man. done after that. And then my kid, he's 12 now, about five or six. He started liking it. So I started watching again. I went to one of the WrestleManias down in Orlando, probably like six years ago. You know, one of the Undertaker's last matches, of course, every year. And then, you know, we go to a few of the matches and shit like that. So, but now he's back out of it. It's, you know. The WWE, I remember we used to watch Monday Night Raw. Right. It, it, I remember I I go at 8 o'clock, I would start. There wasn't a punch thrown until like 8.27. I'm like, this is fucking boring. And then the AEW comes at 8.01. It's a fucking battle royal, one minute in. It's beautiful. I go, this is what it should be. Who gives a fuck? They would take nine minutes to walk to the ring. Just get to the fucking point. Uh, have you seen their, uh, he's not their new bad guy. He's their number one bad guy, MJF. Yeah. Yeah, he's we watch right. once in a while AEW. We like the AEW better, but he's kind of on other things and stuff. He's out of it. But we have all the old wrestling action figures, the old rubber ones, the WWF ones, the tall oh, ones. Yeah. We got every one. We collected every one of them. I mean, that shit, I didn't realize how expensive those dolls were. Because uh, when I was at the Flair Roast, they had a big company who has all the dolls. Yeah. And uh, like, I wanted to buy an Akeem doll just because I'm obsessed with. Yeah you know that character and especially how they brought him in in like a a new york alley where uh slick had a boom box and, and like five black background dancers wearing grass skirts but they all had nikes on right <laughs> this is ridiculous uh and his doll was like four hundred dollars i just i couldn't do it you know i'm not russell peters i'm on a budget yeah too. no i get it i got uh it. and the guy was like don't call them dolls when you buy lex luger's call them action figures <laughs> i'm like oh, okay um so uh, yeah i mean wrestling uh i you know i i don't know about you but i i find comedy very stressful dealing with all the bullshit so that's why i still watch it just it's like of course to zone out something like you know just yeah it takes your mind off the stuff yeah i mean i do it i'll i'll watch probably sports like baseball or pro football to keep my mind off the stuff so you need some kind of outlet Who's your football team? Miami Dolphins. Oh, they're doing good. Yeah, so far. Tua's like... Uh, yeah, well, he got caught shit. He, you know, he throws one pass in the dirt, and they go, look, he can't throw. That's the only thing they put on Twitter. Meanwhile, Mahomes does it all the time. Brady's been doing it. He doesn't have a receiver, but he can't reach him. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm a Steeler guy. We got our own quarterback problems. Well, you uh, got that bitch, Brian Flores, your you know, defensive back linebacker's coach. He's coaching two people, that fucking piece of shit. <laughs> He's now, a dolphin coach and ruined the fucking team. Cry baby. Oh, I got fired. Yeah, you got fired because you start off one and seven. You didn't talk to your coaches for the last two months of the year. And now I'm going to sue the league. Good. 
How's that working out? Everything got dropped. They're racist. Yeah. You got hired because you were black, but they're racist. Okay. The Jim keeping it real. Uh, what do you mean? Keeping it, it's the truth. But see, I don't know a lot he throws, of that. He throws Bill Belichick under the bus. A guy he worked for 20 years, got him the job in Miami because it made him the defense quarter. And then, he, oh, look at this text. Bill Belichick said, uh, uh, Brian Dayball's got the job with the Giants and I was up for it. So how did he know before, right. you know, get so you throw your old fucking mentor under the bus? Get the fuck out of here. He's a bitch. Let me ask you this. Uh, and Mika Fitzpatrick was a dolphin, that motherfucker. And Brian Flores is the one who got rid of him. I love Mika Fitzpatrick. He's great. He's great. I was, he's from my hometown, Old Bridge, New Jersey. Oh, so okay. like he's our new play. We went out and bought the, the jersey by year two. I, want, I, don't, I don't want to play at a position. I want to leave. His mama comes. Oh, Mika doesn't want to play at a position. He wants to be traded. They shouldn't have traded him. But Flores is like, oh, okay, fuck you then. And well, now he's, you know, Mika's like, yeah, you're the linebacker's coach. I'm the safety. So fuck you. That's got to be awkward. Do you think, uh, what do you think of Mike Tomlin as a coach? He's solid. The, the Steelers organization is great, but you could see that they're missing with Trubisky there, not, not Roethlisberger. You know, they're missing that, that team is taking, you know, if you have a good, a, a good, a pretty good quarterback, you can win 10 games with that team, always with Tomlin as a, as the coach, but Trubisky stinks. Hopefully that picket guy will come in and who knows what he'll do. I mean, I, I just think Pickett's not ready yet, uh, but, you know, I, when are they ready though? You know, well, you never know. I mean, uh, is, know. was he a senior? Did he come out or did he come out as a junior? I don't know. Cause that, that's a big difference if they played four years, you know, I'm not sure on that, yeah. uh, you know, but I also am a sentimentalist. I know Rudolph's not the guy, but I, I, I felt bad for him in this preseason cause he played good. Right. And then people were like, well, he played against the fourth stringers and then Pickett would play against the four stringers and kill it. Yeah. Well, he's great. I'm like, yeah. well, uh, but you know, at the Steelers, it's, you know, they lost last night. Um, you know, they probably should have lost their first game that they ended up winning. Yeah. Uh, and then they probably should have won last week, but they ended up losing. So uh, I think they play the Dolphins pretty soon. They do uh, on a Sunday night. two weeks. To, uh, Sunday night, yeah. You know, but uh, without Watt, it's a big, I, you know, I never, I, like, I knew he's a great player, but without him, you can really tell, oh, boy, this is, you know, Highsmith is good, but he's not one. No, I know. Yeah. Um, and then do you have a hockey team or are you not really hockey? I like the flyers back in the day. Cause they were dirty. I love that. So, you know, that's the same with wrestling. I only like the bad guys. And then baseball, I like the San Francisco giants. Well, they're kind of dirty. Like, uh, you know, with the Barry Dodgers. Bonds. Yeah. Uh, well, I never knew that big rivalry cause I was on the East coast. I didn't know it was that bad between the Dodgers and giants till about five years ago. I, I remember doing that metal show out here and I'm wearing a Giants shirt. They just won the World Series oh, in like yeah. 2010. Like, you can't wear that in LA. I'm like, why? He's like, the fucking Dodgers fans will kill you. I go, it's, is it that big of a deal? I know they're in the same division. I wore it anyway. Fuck that. <laughs> it's bloods and crips. Between, yeah. Uh, I mean, you literally can get jumped in the parking lot. Yeah, no, I would never go to Dodger Stadium and Giant shit. Um, because out here, you know, the gangs are all baseball fans. Yeah. But, uh, so, like, they... You know, I've seen some pretty wacky stuff in that Dodger parking lot. Yeah. Uh, now, since you're a Giants fan, let's get to some serious baseball subjects, Jim. Uh, do you think Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. I do, myself. And I'm a Dave Parker guy, so I want him in the fucking Hall. Plus, he was doing coke. Fucking beautiful. I mean, you know. So what's he, wrong with that? I... I mean, listen, I've never had a drug in my life. Right. Uh, Neither did I, but still, whatever. 
I mean, if you're going to get rid, if you say Dave Parker shouldn't be in because of Coke, Barry Bonds because of steroids. Well, it wasn't because of the Coke, you know, but, you know, and he had an unbelievable arm. His fuck, I remember his fucking arm from the outfield was amazing. But to me, I think in his prime, I mean, because people always tell me, well, Earl, his prime was only like five years. But he was the best player in the game for, in my opinion, those five years. Yeah, but you needed like eight or nine years, really. Like uh, Dale Murphy was another one. Don right. Mattingly was another one who dominated for like five years, but then he got a bad back. And Dale Murphy, like seven years. But, you know, you got to get close to 500 homers and all that stuff. So I see you need a little more substance to to get in the Hall of Fame. You can't just have a great five-year run and you're in. I mean, I cried. Uh, it wasn't a 30 for 30. I think it was a whatever the MLB network, they do like a similar type. You cry a lot. I do. I think the freaking wrestler, you found that he was from the South. He cried. I cried. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to tell you this. Uh, at least three times at the Ric Flair roast. When I met Lex Luger, right? Because you know I'm straight, but what a body that guy had, right? Like, just it's like perfection. Yeah, uh, and you know now he's in a wheelchair and he's he's kind of like this, and uh, you know I I paid for a picture and he's like, "Do you want a doll too, young man?" Calling me young man, I'm like, uh, "Sure." And then he told you how he signed the thing, yeah. with like a like he was holding a like a, I don't know a fire hose, uh, and. And you know, Magnum TA, like who most people don't know who that is. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he, he so was, you cried for him too. Same type deal. I'm walking backstage before the uh, last match for Flair, and I see this pretty big dude in a wheelchair, and he's kind of got the same posture as Luger, and uh, he's still a pretty big guy. And uh, you know, he was like the John Cena of NWA, okay, early WCW, and then he got into a horrible car crash, and you know, was never the same. But you know, I. I'm like that's Magnum TA. So I started talking to him. I could sense myself crying or about now, to. Does your girlfriend know you cry this much over this stuff, but probably not with her? Uh, well, ex fiance does. Okay, ex fiance. Okay. <laughs> All right. No, she's okay. awesome. I, uh, you know, but, but did she, but like, you know, she must have been like, wait, so you cry over wrestlers, but not with me when. Yeah, she was like, uh, I, I, I'm like, I, I, I get it. I don't know if she does. Well, uh, when the Ultimate Warrior died, uh, I I was pretty devastated to right. be honest with you. Um, yeah, because we're around so much death and comedy. No, I know. Here, here's the sad thing: I don't get really sad anymore when a comic I know dies, uh, just because I'm so used to it. No, I know, I know. It sucks that you don't even feel it that much. It's like numb. It's like fuck, man. It's you know, I know it really is. You get, as you get older and you start losing people. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's just like, oh, fuck, all right, there's another one. There's another yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. you know, like when Ralphie May died, you know, I was, I I expected him to die sooner than later just because right. he was a, you know, pretty big dude. Uh, and then, you know, it seemed the last couple of years, it's been a run of, uh, especially in LA, local comics that probably most people wouldn't know, but. Uh, yeah, I see that. Yeah, I, Brody, that one hurt because I didn't know, I didn't know Brody that well, but. Uh, right. Well, I always saw him at the store when I came out here. I did some gigs with him on the road. I love Brody, and that that one that one was a tough one to take. Yeah, I mean, I talked to him the night before at at the or really the night of, I guess. Right. When he, um, yeah, it's crazy. And then man. you know, Jack Knight recently was a pretty popular L.A. comic, right. uh, you know. And then uh, a couple of weeks after that, too, I don't want to say open micers. I, I find that such a dismissive right. term, but uh, yeah, younger comics. Uh, they died like a couple days apart, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Like, what are we eating tonight?" Like, wow, 
Yeah. Because um, I think anytime I ever talk to a wrestler, I ask them that question of, how do you deal with all the death? Like, you know, at least a couple wrestlers die a year. Um, and they pretty much have the same answer. You know, just just get used to it. Yeah. When's the next match? Um, so what's next in the comedy world for you? Like anything? Uh, you got a show tomorrow night? Yeah, but nothing really. I just, you know, always torn, fucking, you know, you know, working on material, going out there, going on the road. I'm a road dog, you know, work three weekends a month, usually on the road, do one in New York City, maybe take one off or whatever like that, going to New York maybe a couple times during a week, do some sets. But no, I still love doing it after all these years. I like being out there. Like, I, 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 I still, I'm like, I get fucking paid to just tell jokes. Like, sometimes it just hits me. I'm like, this is unbelievable. This is fucking great. I'm my yes. own boss. I make my own schedule. When the fuck I want to work. This is awesome. Because you're a big enough comic where I, I you know, a, not all, but a lot of the bullshit doesn't hit you just because you're like, hey, this is the gig. It's how much I want. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, yeah. No, I, yeah, exactly. Or, you know, whatever. Even even if it's less money, or if I just feel like doing and just feel like working, I'll go down. There's a local club by my house. I'll go down there on Wednesdays or Thursdays to a guest set just to work on material. I'm like, I just like fucking still getting up and doing it, you know? Um, so I, I love it, man. It's, a, you know, I always thought I was going to, at some point, ah, I want to stop. I don't, I don't see myself stopping. Because Joey is kind of somewhat stopped, right? Or Yeah, he's starting to pick back up. He's doing a residency in New York City once a month now, and he's doing this local club, Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. He's doing some sets there. So uh, he's slowly getting back in. But, yeah, he was like, I'm good. You know, it was a big adjustment leaving L.A. to shithole to New Jersey, <laughs> you know, and, and all of a sudden he's in a community. He's, you know, you know, he's the, everyone knows him. His kid's happy. She goes to the same school as my kid. All that stuff. And, he's, you know, now he's all mellow. He's like, this is what it's, you know, supposed to be. I mean, I think he was too real for L.A. Like, Definitely. Which I love. That's why we always got along. Yeah. There's no bullshit. Uh, he's always like, I fucking love Earl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, well, I just, how hard is it to be real? Like, No, I know. I know, but you don't have that. I know Joey's a real dude, you know, and that's why, you know, even New Jersey, even if people don't know he's a comic and know he's Joey Diaz, they all love him. That The whole neighborhood does. The, you know, people are over all the time. He's over to his parents' house over there. He's at this house. They're going out to dinners. Fucking great. He loves it. He's like, I had no... He's like, you know, my kid had no one to play with in, in L.A. You know, his parents don't want to, you know, you know, hang out or anything like that. His daughter's fucking got all these friends, sleepovers. He loves it. Now, you've been, how long have you done comedy? 30 years, 31. So, you, so you've seen it all, like, yeah, you know, from the wacky 80s to. No, to, I did more early 90s, 91, somewhere around there. But you watched comedy in the 80s, like in terms of like. Uh, yeah, some, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and now in this woke era, uh, have you, I think I already know the answer, but uh, have you changed your style to, to blend in with the non-PC crowd? Absolutely not. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to say the N-word on stage. I'm not going to say fag anymore because it, <laughs> it just doesn't work. Like, I never really said the N-word anyway. I've never been that guy. But right. as far as like fag, I used to use that word, but it just, it doesn't work on stage anymore. So I'll go, if it doesn't work, then I'm not, I'm not going to just keep pushing it and bombing on person. Like, I don't need to say it. So stuff like that, I'll take out. Cause I'm like, or fat jokes. I used to love doing fat jokes. 
Fat jokes don't work anymore for some reason, unless you're the fat guy telling them. Right, like Ralphie. But, right, but coming from a skinny guy, they used to work. My Half my set would be fat jokes. I had some great fucking fat jokes. They don't work, so I go, okay, I move on. But still, I'm talking about they don't know, the tranny shit and all that, whatever. I don't give a fuck. You know, and if you don't like it, too bad. But you, the people that come in the club, they enjoy it. They actually want to see it, especially on the road. That, you know, the media just portrays like everybody's offended by everything, and it's really not. Those people that are offended, that 1% or whatever, that start trouble online, they're not comedy fans anyway. They never come to a show, so who gives a fuck about them? You know? I wasn't trying to win them over anyway. Right. Well, I imagine if people buy tickets to a Jim Florentine show, they know what they're getting. Like So most of the time, yeah. I mean, I don't think, I, I always ask the club owners, are more people walking out these days? They go, no. Not at all. I goes because people actually research the comics. Everyone's got, you know, videos online, so they know what they're coming you know, to see. So it's fine. So everyone thinks that, oh, you can't say that. You can't say that. You can. I mean, I do say fag with one joke. Uh, yeah. I mean, if, if you can make it work, I mean, I, but you know, it just, to me, it, I'm like, I, I, I mean, I didn't kowtow and move on. It just, if it's not going to work, I'm not going to keep forcing it. I, I already did a bunch of bits about the word and all that stuff. I'm good. But as far as like the transgender shit, I got a fucking a nice hunk on that and all that stuff. I don't care. Sorry if, you know, that's my weird way of showing affection. You want me to accept you, then I, I'm going to make fun. I make jokes. Right. Just, I grew up in Jersey. That's what we do. You know, if we like you, then we make jokes about you. That means our, that's a weird way of showing affection. Well, you know, I, I think someone uh, from my past said you roast the ones you love. Uh, yeah. Deep down. Um, yeah. You know, because I, I had an Emmy-nominated writer call me up and say, hey, I got a great joke for you. You know, I'm like, well, why don't you tell it? He's like, oh, I, I can't. I work in major films. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not doing a bit to you. I'm just, I'll tell you the joke. But it's like, hey, you know, Michael Jackson, it's one thing he was a pedophile, but a fag, too. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, like, I do that joke, right. and I think people laugh, not because it's, like, the greatest joke, but, okay, he's got balls to say that word yeah. in 2022. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, uh, well, I mean, my long-term goal, Jim, is to have most of my comedy friends get uh, me too so i just slide right on into the 10 o'clock spot it's been I a mean, while so. yeah i mean uh, you know a, a lot of guys at the comedy store got knocked out moved away or got knocked out so yeah, everybody moves up so yeah so i'm good with that yeah some survive though no i know yeah some some are making a comeback whatever you know and uh but yeah i don't know i don't get i don't get involved in the fray in the mix i just do my own thing i go home my fucking you know, I got my own life. I don't worry about it. I don't give a fuck what anyone else is doing. I'm never jealous of another comic that's doing better. If I think he's good, just if I think I'm as good as that guy and he's doing theaters, like, okay, that's my motivation. If that guy could do theaters, then I can. But I right. never get jealous. Even when I first started, I was like, there's 500 channels at one day there's going to be on cable. Everyone can have their own show. So I never fucking was bitter about any of that shit. I don't give a fuck. I just do my own. I got to do my own thing. That's why I always looked at it. I still do. Well, that's why I love guys like you and Jeselnik. Uh, like, he just does his spot and leaves. Like, he doesn't really. Yeah. I mean, he'll hang out for a second. but right. uh, No, I mean, I'll hang sometimes. But I, as far as I just, uh, I don't know. To me, most comics to hang with them, they're not fun. You know, I find, you know, everyone says, Earl, you'd be great in New York just because, you know, I keep it real. Yeah. Uh, which has probably led to some problems out here for me. Uh, but. I don't like hanging out with comics unless they're my good, good friends. Like, you know, Joey is yours. Yeah. Uh, just because I find in LA anyway, everyone's always looking, well, Earl's on a cartoon. So I want to be on a cartoon. Right. I, I don't care. Like, yeah. 
Uh, no, I like like Dean. What Dean Del Rey was in New York last week, scoring right. with bands, and I did his podcast. We hung all day. He had time to kill. I had time to kill because we like the same music. Yeah, you know, it's just shit. Like guys like that, you know, there are some I can hang with, but other than that, I'm like going home. I'm fucking bored. I don't want to talk about the business with some guy I barely know. I'll give him some advice. I like him in young comics advice, but I don't. I don't give a fuck that this person's mad at this and this guy ran the light. I'm like, I don't care. That shit's not on my radar. I mean, uh, I love it when Leslie runs the light. I, I love watching. Oh, it. that's that's weird. That you know, uh, she doesn't run the light; she obliterates it. But I get the feeling that she wouldn't do that in New York uh, because it would be too. Like, Probably that's just a whole ego thing, man. Like, hey, I don't listen to anybody. You know, but people been running light for years. These stars that come in, like if I was at someone's point, like a Chris Rock or something like that, I would feel bad. Like I even when I do these guest sets at this local club. I go, dude, you want me to, do, I'll just go on first. I'm just doing 10 minutes. I'm not going to be there. I don't want to fuck up their show. Right. I, and if I was Chris Rock walking in there, I'd be like, oh man, I don't want to, I'm just doing 15. I, I, I know. Cause I, these guys are trying to get on stage. I'm not going to go up there and hog an hour in the middle of the show. It's not right. Go fucking book some little fucking thing down the street and go secret show, put it on sale an hour before you have your fans right. come. Then you do that shit. I would never, I would be thinking of the other comics. Even when these guys run the light on the road, and they played a fucking like one in the morning. What about the waitresses that got to go home? They got a fucking babysitter and they got they're paying extra. The mom's watching them and they got to stay an extra three hours and they're not making any money. You don't give a fuck about those people. You're going to just stay up on stage. I know. I'm like, fuck that. I, you know, people got to have a life. So I never been like that. Plus, I'm like, well, how much time do you want to do for what? You're not killing for two, three hours or whatever time you're up there. Hour and 45. Get the fuck out of here. Well, that's why a couple, and this was a long time ago, so I'm not get, giving this guy too much shit, but like, I think Dane Cook did like a five, six hour set at the Laugh Factory just to say he did it. It's like, right. who would do that? I wouldn't want to do that. Like, well, if he, yeah, I mean, if you, if one waitress goes, this is what he should do. Okay. You, I'm going to do, I'll go on at the end of the show. I'm going to do five or six hours. We just need one waitress to stay. Hey, I'm going to give you fucking like 300 bucks. Will you stay five or six hours? Take care of your baby because all the waitresses right. got fucking kids out of wedlock. They're fucking <laughs> other you know. comics. Yeah, other comics. Yeah, oh yeah, they always. I got two kids, two baby baby daddies. Mom's watching them. The other one, they're fighting. They got fucking. You know, they always got the drugs. So I, that's what I would do. I'll you one stay. Here's three hundred bucks. You and I'm gonna. I want to do five to six hours. To me, that's fine. Well, you mentioned you like to give young advice to the comics. As do I. I like to give back. Uh, because when I was a young comic, no one helped me. I, I had a lot of errors in my comedy career. What's the number one thing? And this is a new era to do stand up and, you know, with the advent of, you know, TikTok and, you know, it's more about the views and the clicks and being funny. Yeah. Which I don't like, but I'm also 54. Uh, so what, if you could give advice to someone who's six months into comedy, what would it be? Get up on stage wherever you can. Don't be jealous. Who gives a fuck? If some guy's doing comedy two years and you're doing it three and he gets something like, oh, you know, this comedy, I've been doing it longer than him. How did he get that? Maybe because he worked harder. Maybe because he's funnier. Do your own thing. Who gives a fuck what anyone else is doing? And just keep working on your set, man. Keep writing and don't be bitter. And let it come to you, man. You're not going to be a good, you're not going to even find your voice on stage till like year nine. You're not going to be a good comic till like year nine. You might have 45 minutes. You could hold it your own, but at year nine is when you're really getting your groove, I think. 
Oh, I would say it took me 10 years yeah. at least. Maybe right. longer, to be right. honest. But, right, but that's when you really start going, all right, now I'm really comfortable on stage. I'm really comfortable taking chances or doing whatever you want. But it's not coming at year four. You think everything you're fucking right and you're killing and you're not. So. Yeah, I hate it when a comic says they kill. It's like, dude, I was in the room. One guy's like, I got him a guest spot at this club. And he's like, dude, I blew the roof off the place. I go, well, what happened then? I go, did they fix the roof? <laughs> He's like, no, I didn't mean, I go, no, but seriously, I didn't, I, how did you blow the roof off the place? He goes, no, it's just an expression. I go, no, but you, did they fix it? Is the club closed? <laughs> He's like, are you fucking with me? I go, no, I'm not, I never heard that before. What do you mean you blew the roof off the place? I was just fucking with him. Right. I did great. And he won't give me a, 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 you know, a date. Yeah, because you didn't. Uh, I want to record everyone's set that says that. I listen, I'll, okay, we're going to listen back. Okay, tell me where you fucking did great here. I hear silence after that punchline. Right. Well, I mean, uh, I, I the ones who usually kill don't say they did. Uh, exactly. It's like, I always say, don't get too high, don't get too low. You're going to have killer shows. Next night, you're going to bomb. You know, you could celebrate something good happens. You have a, you know, whatever. But don't get too high. Because, you know, the next night, you could fucking bomb that people are staring at you. And it's going to fuck with your head. So just kind of keep an even keel. Enjoy those little moments where you kill and everything's going good. But just know... You got shit coming ahead. Or you're going to have a fucking shit gig. You're not going to do well. You're going to bomb an audition or whatever it's going to be. That's just part of the business. Oh, I still, uh, every now and then, uh, have a soft set. Yeah, uh, of course. Sometimes bomb. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and my thing is to get on stage the next night. You know, and just... Yeah, I, I chalk it up like you had a bad day at work, but it was only 15 minutes <laughs> instead of eight hours. Uh, what's your writing... Uh, like for young comics who see how successful you are, I mean, you, you've been uh, a long-term success. It wasn't like you just did one thing and you kind of faded away. Like you're constantly working and in the podcast and, you know, that metal show. And then when that didn't come back, you still were like getting things, crank anchors. What's your uh, writing process? Like you just sit in a room by yourself or uh, is it? No. I, I have no discipline because I, even in school, right. I just got by. I hated school. So I, I really should have learned that. I think you, if you really learn and sit and focus and do your homework or whatever, you, you'll, later on in life, will help you sit down and write. I just can't sit there with an empty you know, page and just go, what am I going to write about today? If some right. shit comes to me, I'll put it in my voice memo and I'll try to make a bit out of it. You know, like, oh, shit, that's a good, that's a good time. I could, let me see how I can make, try to make that funny. I'll go to an open mic. I'll go well, on the road or whatever, and I'll start building it. And I put taglines on. I just keep adding and adding it a bit, you know, to make it longer if I can. And that's how I do it. But it has to come to me. It has to some most likely, you know, personal experience or a friend told me some crazy story. Maybe I can make that into a bit. But I, I, if I can't come up with anything, I don't come up with anything. Oh, well, I'm fucking, you know, <laughs> I got nothing this week. I got nothing. That, but then, then all of a sudden, the shit will come to you. I'm like, this is great. And when, there's nothing better when a new bit's working. Oh, it's the best. It's, it's a like fucking, a sexual it's amazing. feeling. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. It's great. You can't wait to get up and do it and shit. So that's how you basically do it. But I, I don't have the discipline to sit and write every day. I wish I did because that works for comics. Just fucking write your thoughts down. You might come up with some shit. I just, I'm not that disciplined. Are you ever like watching TV and maybe see a funny, I don't know, a toilet paper commercial? And oh, that could be not, not necessarily make a joke about the commercial, but it stimulates a thought in your maybe, head. Maybe, yeah, possibly. But then also it's like, Something shit that happens in my personal life is usually, oh my God, that's good. Right. Some girl will say something to me or whatever. I'm going to use that on stage. 
whatever it is. You know, that, that's how I usually come up with some something my kid did or something like that. Or I had to go to a school for some shit. I'm like, all right, that's that could be a bit. So that's how I kind of do it. Do you ever uh, get ideas at concerts? Because there's so many funny moments that happen at concerts to me. Uh, you know, like the other night, I was uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I was at the Killers in Vegas, and that's their hometown. And yeah, uh, you could tell they were like really excited, which is kind of neat to see like such a big band like like we are in a back yeah. room or something. And he, he said, "Hey, this is going to be the best super spreader ever," and it was like having thought of a joke yet but it's just funny to me that he would just say that coming out of a pandemic and uh do you ever like are at an iron maiden concert and you see like two fat people making out no this could be a bit like i don't do too much stuff with music and concerts i there is a ton of material absolutely i just yeah i never really i don't know why i probably should i mean because everybody can relate to going to a concert there's probably a lot yeah there is a lot of material the guy with the big head in front of you <laughs> you know that shit you know uh but yeah, I mean, I um, I haven't done it, which is that's a good idea. Now I'm now, now my the wheels are turning. <laughs> you know, you're in trouble when I'm. It's tough you. though when I go in New York City and I'm doing a place called the Stand, the best fucking best club in the city, no no question. And there's 23 year old girls sitting in the front of. First of all, I'm the devil to begin with, right? Because I fucking you know. I'm a guy's guy and they don't like it. You know what I mean? I speak my mind on stage. And then I'm telling about, yeah, I went to an Iron Maiden concert and the singer, Bruce Dickinson, actually flies the plane. They're like, huh? They don't even know what ACDC is. So I, I tend to stay away from that because it just they just stare at me. See, I don't. I like that awkwardness. I talk about rap. I like Well, I like the awkwardness too with my other jokes about relationships and just tearing them down, how, you know, whatever. But as far as that, it's like it, I can't connect with them at all. Like, what the fuck? And I... What is this guy talking about? Oh, I get that a lot. Like, you know, I, I'm obsessed with Rat. I just, I've always yeah. liked them. And, you know, uh, so when I'm talking about their videos and where they look like gay pirates, right? Uh, you know, these, like you said, these 23 year old girls are like, what the fuck is Rat? Uh, and then one girl knew them. She's like, oh, that's that Geico commercial band. I'm right. Like, round them round. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's tough. Uh, but then I did a cartoon with Tyler, the creator, and they love that because, you know, he's like in that age range yeah. where they would be like, oh, my God, you work with him. And like, to me, I didn't know who he was. So yeah. it was like more. So, you know, I don't know, Jim, this is a wacky business to figure out. We're soldiers. Absolutely. But I just, you know, get up, you tell your jokes, do whatever. I mean, you know, who knows? You don't know if you're going to make it. There's no. But what is making it? I don't know. I, 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 to me, like two, three years in, I was making like $300 a week doing it because guys like Rich Voss, uh, Bob Levy, guys like that already headline. It took me and Jim Norton on the road with us to open. Right. So like, hey, pay this guy 50 bucks, pay him 75, whatever. So to me, I was still living at home. I didn't have any bills. To me, I made it. I'm like, I, have, I don't have a day job after three years and I'm making 300, 350 bucks a week. I made it. So to me, I made it at that point. Everything else was just fucking extra, I thought. And then you set goals, but at that point, I'm like, I make a living at doing this. This is fucking awesome. It wasn't much, but, you know. You didn't have to sit in a cubicle. I didn't, that, that, when I saw Office Space, that movie, I saw it in the movie theater. I go, that made me go, I got to fuck. There's no way I'll ever have that life. That movie sold it for me. I mean, it is interesting to me what comics, especially younger ones, consider making it, uh, you know, some... You know, to me, like you've made it. Like we're around the same age, and it's like, oh, Jim's right. made. It. I'm, I'm behind. Not in a jealous way. I'm behind him. I got to step it up. 
you know, and now with the younger generation, they're like, well, getting on Rogan is the Right, that benchmark. was like Howard Stern back in the yes. day. I got on Howard Stern back in the day and sold out everything. Um, and then some comics, it's, you know, getting on, uh, well, The Tonight Show, not that that means what it used to, yeah. but like, I'd still like to get on it. Uh, it. Some people, it's Russell Peters playing hockey arenas. Yeah. Um, or Jimmy Carr, you know, in the UK, doing what he does. Uh, so it, it's always funny to me. I always ask a comic of your stature and, and really even below your stature like what is making it to you i don't know just uh, to me making a good living at what you love doing and making your own schedule and being your own boss to me that that's you know i i i would say if you put enough time in this business and you're not a dick good things will eventually happen if you don't burn too many bridges and you're not that much of a dick someone's going to throw something your way that's what i'm planning on i only have one <laughs> enemy yeah yeah I, I i've heard we, we won't get into who that is that's but. not bad if you only have one enemy in the business i mean i think i'm pretty um i think i'm pretty clear-headed and uh i have a good mind to see all sides of the story and uh with that particular gentleman uh, uh i still believe i'm right in how i think about him but you know but I, I just love it because whenever your name comes up every anyone that knows uh, his I name love comes that. up no your no your name but the the, the thing is oh, i love earl he doesn't give a fuck well, I do. Right, but I mean, like, he, you, you're a guy living in Hollywood that speaks his mind, and there's not too many people out there that do it. So people respect you, other comics respect you. Which I love. Yeah. Uh, but uh, do you find, and I know you got to go to another podcast. Uh, sorry about this anti-Rogan setup. You know, it's, no, I'm a, I'm a one-man group. No, it's all good. Uh, you know, I'm often labeled a comics comic. Yeah, and, and you are too as well. Like it's the same thing. Whenever I hear your name, whether it be through the great Chad Zumach, the Z Man, he's a right. controversial figure. I, yeah, I know. I can't keep up with his feuds. Um, I know, I know exactly. I'm like, I can Chad. I can, you know. No, I feuding with everybody. I can, you know. And I, uh, even though I've never met Kevin Brennan, like I, we get along at least through Zoom. Yeah, I yeah. Guess. yeah. Uh, but I, I guess him and Chad don't get along now, and like. Uh, you know, is being a comics comic, do you think? Because that usually means comics love you, but the industry doesn't. Yes. Uh, but, but, you know, you're a comics comic and the industry likes you, you know. Not so much. I mean, I, I, I've been, I lucked out. Like there was just, you know, sh lucky shit just happened in my career, whether it was, you know, you know, Howard Stern here and my prank calls and then him and me on the show and then Jimmy Kimmel here and my, prank calls on Howard Stern and picking me for crank anchors back in the day. He didn't know who the fuck I was. He right. just liked my style. You know, just shit like that's happened. I'd run into Eddie Trunk, you know, because I, you know, I, I didn't know him growing up, but he, you right. know, with the heavy metal music, I see him at a con, hey, come on my radio show. Hey, we're pitching a show. I'm going to pitch a show to VH1, a heavy metal talk show. So shit's, um, you know, almost like Forrest Gump. Right. You know, shit just happened in my career, but I, I've been around a while and he just, like I said, I'm not, you know, if you're not a dick, Someone's going, hey, man, I want you to play this. I want you to be part of this or whatever. So that's the way I look at it. Because I don't give a fuck. I, I, don't, I don't get into these feuds. I don't care. I, I stay out of it. I don't, like, I don't need that drama in my life. I tried, you know, to avoid the fray. No, I get it. You know, but you're living out here. I, I never moved out here. I'm like, I'm not an ass kisser. I just can't. I speak my mind. And I know people aren't going to like it. And, uh, you know, it's just to me, I can't hang around with phony people. You know, I, I'm forced to hang around phony. No, I get it. I get it. Look, if I didn't have a kid, I might have been out here. Like, a, he's 12 now. I Obviously, I can't. But 
I might have came out here for a few years and just gave it a go, but I just never really liked it that much. I just come out for four or five days, right? Three every three months or so, and do my business and get the fuck out. I mean, I would probably move to New York, but I don't want to start over again. Not that right. I would, you know, but like I, I get it, you know, I'd be on lineups with like you and Voss and right uh, Bonnie and and. Uh, you know, I shouldn't go on in the middle of that lineup. <laughs> I'd be going on at the end again. Like, I don't want to start at 54. I, like, right. uh, I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I love the stand and, uh, you know, I can't wait to come back there. Patrick Milligan is the best. He's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and Chris was on this podcast. Uh, you know, you just, it's like, why can't all club owners be like you guys? No, and they bookers. just had the 10 year anniversary this past Tuesday. Were you on that show? Yeah. And how was that? Phenomenal um that's great how yeah and it was great big party and stuff like that i did their first show back in 2004 cringe humor they were called oh i remember yeah it was me patrice jim norton rich voss bobby kelly and i think ben bailey was the lineup so i've known those guys from day one you know and they're awesome and that's the club i work i don't work any other clubs i don't care i'm comfortable there and it's like i don't need to run around do 17 sets (laughs) a lot of people like yeah i'm like i'm good i never i'm just like let me just hang here i got another show in an hour that's fine so I think my favorite Patrick story is, you know, I'd never met him before, although I was a big fan of cringe humor and like yeah. the newsletter. I was like, I think they were ripping into dad fan. I'm like, man, these, these guys keep it real. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was my first time on TV doing roast battle. And, you know, it's like my heart was palpable, even though that's not stand up, but it was still like a big crowd for me to be in front of. And I just felt this energy staring at me like Darth Vader. And I look up in the balcony and, Patrick's like just staring at me. <laughs> like Francis, like weirdest thing to feel him staring at me. Does this before you met him? Yeah, I never. Okay, I right. talked to him maybe online a few times, uh, but uh, he's he's just a, he's been awesome to me. And uh, you know, Chris is like the best. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. All right, Jim. This is now time to plug your shit. All right. Uh, where can people find you? Um. Whatever. I got a podcast called <laughs> Everybody Is Awful. And what is that about? What, is there a theme to it? Yeah, people, you know, uh, pe- people that listen to podcasts send in stuff on social media. People post a dumb shit on spo- social media, and I make fun of it, basically. And whether, uh, Twitter whether, and all that shit? Well, yeah, and then I got my Terrorizing Telemarkers Volume 7 is out. Wherever you, If you like prank calls, you'll like it. Me and Don Jameson fuck with them. And then my special uh, Bite the Bullet is on Amazon Prime to rent or buy, and my website's jimflorentine.com. Please buy Jim's special on Amazon. What is it, like four bucks or something? I think so. I didn't uh, even look yet. I don't know what they're charging. <laughs> Jim's a great guy. Like, you know, I aspire to be what he is. You just, you can be successful in this business and not be a dick. <laughs> uh, you know, you can be successful in this business and be a complete dick. Uh, but Jim's one of the real ones. You know, it's four bucks. He's not going to be... Russell Peters showing up in suicide door cars. But, you know, it'll help with his kid, his ex-wife, his current girlfriend. Support good people in this business. And then you won't have to listen to bitter people like me. I'm like the ultimate warrior. I'll never let go of my bitterness. Never. I'm like Rambo in the hardware store. Nothing is over. Wasn't my war, Florentine. Fucking love Rambo. You know, it really has a lot to do with stand-up. Like, he just came into town to do a gig. Got constant yep. shit. King shit sheriff was a booker. And he lost his mind. Did you ever hear Wednesday 
13 uh, song Rambo, R-A-M-B-O, blow him up like Rambo. (laughs) Oh, it's fucking great. I mean, well, I just love the story of how, you know, Stallone, you know, he gets a lot of shit for some of his movies, but, you know, we all know the story about how Rocky, no one wanted him on the, you know, we'll make it, but you can't be in it. He's like, no, no, I'll take much less money than you're offering. I want to be in it. And the roadblocks he took to get Rambo made was like, dude, no one wants to watch a movie about a, a crazy Vietnam vet losing his mind. And he's like, no, no, I'm, I want to do this movie. I'm going to be in it. Blah, blah, blah. And gets it made. Persistence. Now, if he would have had the complete opposite approach, stop my mom or shoot, you know, that would have been better for all I of think us. Sometimes you got to do some clunkers, you know. Yeah. I'm making fun of. They go, look, okay, you got $8 million. We need you for two and a half weeks. Sure. Well, that's, I'm obsessed with how he made the movie over the top. Like, what was the sales pitch on that? Hey, we got a movie. It's a two hour movie about you arm wrestling fat guys. And he's just, okay. Yeah. How much? <laughs> yeah. I got an ex wife. I got to pay. All right. Well, he does you know. now. Oof. That divorce. I hope he has a prenup. Oof. Probably not. Uh, inappropriate old, the great Jim Florentine. Learn to love him. I think that's a Ric Flair saying. Uh, he's one of the good ones. Uh, inappropriate. I'll just leave a fucking review. It's a lot of free work I do for you guys. It's not hard to click five-star review. Click a one-star review. I just want to get in the fucking algorithm. I got shadow banned for a while because I, I may have tried to manipulate the rankings. I'm honest. I got right. caught. <laughs> I, I took a shot. You know. Of course. I told the guy, just don't make it obvious. Just put me in the top 50. And, you know, the guy puts me at number one on a Saturday afternoon. I was like, oh, come on, man. No one's going to believe I'm the number one podcast in the world interviewing Fred Corey from Cinderella. Get out of town. I love you, Fred. 